Hey, Job. Hey, again. You know, I try to I try to have a nice a nice little show. Uh huh. And I'm just trying to be like, hey, how you doing? You gotta you gotta act like a guy acts like this. Oh I mean, yeah, you act like a fucking idiot. This is what I am. You signed up for this. <laughs> All right. Well, a- anyway, are you are you familiar with uh with uh a man by the name of Anthony Hawk. Ah, uh, yes, Antoine Hawk. This he was. Uh, he was a. He was a. Uh, a famous skateboard man. He rode the skateboard. He did the flips. He oh. did uh, the rotations, specifically two and a half of uh, them. Did uh, Did Bam Margera uh, teach him how to skate? <laughs> No, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't. I wish someone would teach Bam Margera how to skate. <laughs> hey. Anyway, it, here's the thing: Tony Hawk went from being this guy who was like a real person, a real athlete, but on the level as a video game personality is like a Mario or a Link. Like honestly, I feel that is yeah. the case. Right, and. He went from being in all of these games to that the, those games kind of being becoming stale by being pumped out once a year, and the quality declining uh, around like six entries in. Uh, and then he kind of just like went into a weird period where he just became this guy who just goes on Twitter and recounts stories of people almost recognizing him in public, but not quite. Right. So they're just like, you're that guy that skateboards, right? And he's just like, sometimes. <laughs> and they're like, okay, cool. And then they just they don't even ask him for an autograph. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Uh, but anyway, I'm a, I don't know if I've really talked about it too much on Gannon Job, but I've talked about it a lot as a person. Uh, I love the Tony Hawk games. I have a lot of nostalgia for them being a high school idiot and uh, thinking Bam Margera was cool and, uh, and playing all of these uh, ridiculous games and trying to hundred percent them and get everything in them and having a hell of a time. And there hasn't been a good Tony Hawk game in quite some time. Every time they try to like revamp the franchise, it's like this shitty, nothing entry that sucks the most recent one pro skater five was a dumpster fire of a game that uh is basically like unplayable now because the internet is uh the the servers have been shut down yeah but now it really looks like for the first time that uh tony gets to come back and uh they announced tony hawk pro skater one plus two for ps4 and x-bone and uh, it looks fucking fantastic. It's a remake of the first two games, and I am super excited. That's now my most anticipated release of the year. I, I you know, that I think that says something for me because there's a lot of good games coming out this year. Yeah, a lot of games that I care about, but like, there's a there's this a blindsided me. Did not expect this in a million years. Yeah, especially like not just the remakes of the first two, which is like really cool in itself, but there's a lot more mean potatoes to this that makes it very much more exciting. Like, well, for the first, well, I mean, who's making it is vicarious visions, yes. which that's important because they, uh, it's the same team that just did the crash remasters. So they've proven already that they can take these old great 
nostalgic games and revamp them, make them look a hundred times better and have them still play pretty well. And that they're very faithful remakes and them doing Tony Hawk makes me extremely excited because they're approaching it with that same amount of love for the series that they approached crash with. And I'm super excited for that. Yeah. They're, they're, uh, and I like the approach they're taking with it. They're, they're adding in all of the mechanics that were put in like, like pretty much pro skater four. The things that were added in three and four, I would say like it's, I would say that they like perfected the gameplay in four. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of other problems in four, but like whatever (laughs) the the core skateboarding gameplay is there and it's good. And they seemingly know that there's going to be some people that can't go back. So they've added things like reverts and flatland tricks and, you know, wall plants and, and like things that people like and things that people need to have, the best time with these games now and that's great that's the best way to do this because if you limited people it would feel like yeah this one's okay can't wait for the next one which i still am gonna feel like that but but like i at, at the very least i'll have uh a great game to tide me over until the really great game to be honest if they remake three it'll be even better than this oh yeah because three is awesome i love three that's great. Three and four were like the peak creatively. And then Underground was good as well. And then Underground 2 is uh uh something. It's something. Yeah. It's one of my favorites, but that's only for the gameplay and the level design. The actual like everything the game makes you do is terrible in the in the story yeah. question mark mode. But but uh it's just like fucking trying to be jackass so hard and it's like it's a cringe fest in 2020 if you if you try to even play it oh, yeah. and watch the cutscenes but uh but all that aside like there's a lot of purity and like you know kind of like an arcade style mentality to the original too and i'm i'm really looking forward to having that experience cuz it's been a while yeah tony time it's Tony time. And I didn't think it was ever going to be Tony time again. Like I thought the franchise was going to be dead after Tony Hawk's pro skater five. After that was that bad, but now it looks like it's been revamped and they even got X, uh, Neversoft devs working on it. They're using like the code and the, the mapping from the originals. And that's, uh, that's pretty cool. That's about uh, all I got to say. I'm just, uh, I'm so excited that I'm going to come. Let's let's say that. Welcome to the Gen and Job Show. That's Gen. Hey, hello. It's me. Here I am, doing everything I can 
uh, holding on to what I am, pretending I'm a Superman. Very good, very good. I'm Jub. <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, Genny Hawk. How are you doing? Genny Hawk? <laughs> uh, the, the, the Tony Hawk announcement is taking over his life. There's nothing else to care about. <laughs> it's the only good thing. As as Brazzers Twitter account said, finally some good news. And honestly, that's a real thing that happened. You can look it up. <laughs> they responded to the Tony Hawk news. <laughs> I like the uh I like the Ghost of Tsushima reveal. <clears throat> oh, if you want to talk about that, that game looks fucking amazing, gorgeous, beautiful. Holy shit. Uh I'm pretty excited for that too. To play a Kurosawa film. Basically, it looks yeah. like the best samurai game I've ever seen. And there's some stiff competition there if you want to count like Sekiro and shit like Onimusha. Like, like holy shit. But it looks like super fucking incredible. I'm super impressed. You definitely tell they nailed the look and feel. Yeah. My, my only hope is that the gameplay stands up. Yeah. I, I hope that it's good. I hope that it doesn't just feel like every other fucking video game because it does a lot of similar things to other games. You know, it's got those stealth elements. It's got the ride around on the horse, pick up the fucking herbs, craft things. A lot of similarities in Sony's first parties, weirdly enough. But uh, Games in general, man. I guess that's true. I guess that's true. It's how trends go. Uh, hopefully there's more Breath of the Wild influence than, uh, you know, like Horizon Zero Dawn influence. You know what I mean? Like, not that Horizon's a bad game. Horizon's a good game. I'm just saying that, like, I hope that this doesn't feel, like, samey. Like, here's another open world. Ride your horse to this location. Kill these dudes. Ride your horse to this location. Kill these dudes kind of game. Right. Um, even if it is, it looks fucking incredible. It looks like a PS5 game. I'm surprised it's not a PS5 game. It looks gorgeous. And and you can make it look even better if you put it in that fucking black and white mode. Honestly, it looks straight up like a Kurosawa film. It's fucking amazing. But anyway... Um, Besides Vidiro games, we're going to talk about a Friday the 13th movie because uh, that's the franchise we are burdened with watching this time around. And, <laughs> and, and uh, I, I don't know. It was fun. Part three was fun. Yeah. I can't fault it for not being fun. No, it was certainly I enjoyed watching it. But was it a good movie? No. No. <laughs> no. Not by any stretches in a good movie, but goddamn, was it a romp. It was Do you funny. think any of them are good movies? No. Like, is there a single good movie in this entire 12 film span? No. So, like, when we rank all of our movies, all the, all the 100 movies by, we've like, watched, it's yeah. all going to be C tier? Is that what we're looking at here? Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't think and I don't think a single one of these movies we watch are going to crack, like, crack, like, the top, like, 30 or even 40 mm. in the get Well, oddly film. enough... Oddly enough, that might make ranking them in their own series kind of interesting because we're arguing, like, what's better, this p- 
pile of shit or this pile of vomit like what does win out (laughs) it might be an interesting it might be an interesting discussion yeah we did a similar thing uh in texas chainsaw and halloween but halloween and texas chainsaw have the the uh get to have good movies to start it out and i really didn't feel like friday had that at all in fact I, I i mean i think we both agreed that two was better than one um yeah one's gonna i think after this week one's gonna continue to be the worst one i i don't think it'll stay there for too long but yeah that, that would be my prediction i don't know where we'll end up with what's better two or three because i think i have arguments for both cases and i don't really know how i feel necessarily i don't know where to rank it <laughs> But we'll talk about that later. Do you want to talk about some other garbage? Yeah, I mean, like video games, you evil gamer. I played a couple games I could talk about. Me too. Um, for for one, I've been uh, I'm about fourteen hours in now to uh, Divinity Original Sin Two. How is Divinity? The way I think Divinity Original Sin Two is probably the quintessential video game D and D experience. It is... That is cool. Yeah. It is probably the closest thing you get to something like that, as far as these, like, these strategy RPG-style things that mirror D&D like that. There is a lot of options for that out there. You're saying this is, like, the best... Huh. Yeah, I I would say so, yeah. Well, that's that's pretty... Pretty... Good praise, I would say. Yeah, it's it's fantastic, and I, like I'm not even at the. I'm just now getting to the, point where the game really opens up. You, you pretty much go through a gigantic tutorial island first. Okay, it's like a lot of fun stuff for you to do as you build up your character and kind of find an identity for your character, and then you get on a boat, and that's when the game starts opening up. Boat. Boat. And uh, lots of areas to explore. Like it has a preset map, right? Or is it like procedurally it's generated? Huge. Or it's a consistent map, and it's huge. Okay, so it's kind of like is like the RPG that it is set. Yeah, but your character building is the D and D aspect that you're referring to. Well, there's still a lot of freedom in what you can do within that confine. Um. Okay. Like, the map is very much set in stone, but the way you approach everything can be different for each playthrough. There's a I lot see. of, uh, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of the ability to talk your way out of things. There's a lot of ability to just brute force your way out of things and kill everybody. You could just, you could kill important allies. And oh. they're, just, they're just gone. So you can kill NPCs oh, yeah. that might be important and you give you quests. Choose, <laughs> you choose to attack any NPC in the game. Any. That's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. It, it makes it very fascinating for like what either does what doors you can or can't open depending on what you can do, what you do in the game. There's a lot of consequences to your actions. That's cool. Yeah, it, it, it's really, really cool in that aspect. It's a lot of variety in what you can do, too. Usually most people like specking in, like, two different sets of skill trees. Um, I am currently rolling, like, an archer character. 
with a splash mm-hmm. of uh with a splash of like thievery and cunning where I can like I can like sneak really well and like get myself out of situations and like I can throw noxious gas and put people to sleep. That stuff's fun. Oh oh nice. <laughs> and I'm I'm rolling with uh rolling with my two brothers and uh host on my other podcast, Corey Clements. Corey. And uh He's the one who uh, had us play this game. He actually bought my copy for me. God bless us. Oh, dang. All right. Because he wanted wanted to play it with me. So we got into it. We've been streaming it over at twitch.tv slash Splendid Shepherd on my brother's Twitch channel. We've uh, we've been playing it. Every time we play it, we've been streaming it there. It's been a good time. Yeah. I've been playing a lot of crazy shit on there. Your your other brother, Josh, has been playing a fucking deadly premonition on that channel. Uh, which is some shit. <laughs> that game's fascinating. <laughs> that game is a fascinating, insane ride. Uh, I really want to play it soon. Um, I need to be able to access a PS3, but uh, I will look into it because that seems like a game right up in my alley in terms of uh, you know flailing about and trying to get all the trophies in a game. That looks like a fun time. <laughs> oh yeah, <I'd> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Divinity also has some really cool combat. I think this is where the game like really excels in its, in its combat system. It's turn based, so yeah, each you know it goes through a cycle based on like a speed stat for each character, right? Mm-hmm. Just like you would in D anD D, and you have a certain and just like in like D anD D four I think it is you have a certain amount of action points. And okay, yeah. And then certain, you know, certain skills, abilities, movement, etc., cost action points. Sure. Um, the way you get to fuck with the environment's awesome. So, depending on where your combat zone is, it's like it could be a, a dozen things thrown about. Like you just have like a like a barrel sitting there that's like oh, just full of like some poison, some poison water, you know. And they go, an enemy walked up right next to it. You could blow that shit up. Oh, look, hmm. Poisoned. And then you can mix other elements together. Like, oh, there's oil, right? <clears throat> oil. Oh, this is, okay. This is barrel of oil here, right? Sure. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna explode this bo- this barrel of oil and get oil over everybody, and then uh, I'll, I'll uh, light up an arrow and fire it at at the oil and blow everybody oh, of up. Of course. Yeah, of course. Cool shit like that. And there's a lot of different ways you can interact with the environment that way. A lot of different effects you could put down. <laughs> And it's really cool that way. But yeah, it's a good video game. I enjoy it quite a bit. All right. Cool, cool, cool. Is that just on like Steam or it PC, on, whatever? It's on PC, play, PS4, and Switch. Oh, I did not know it was on PS4 and Switch. Uh-huh. That's cool. That's cool. So, uh, what have you been playing again? The other thing I played was Apex oh. Legends, which is like... You've talked about it a lot. Is there anything different? They added a couple like cool quality of life things, but not too much has changed. Okay, it's, it's still a great game. That's about it. New character, yeah, the hacky there's, girl. There's, yeah, well, she's like a thief. She's a thief. Okay, so like her whole thing Got is she you. can. Uh, she's like a cool teleport ability where she like throws this thing and then teleports to it, and that's really nice. But uh, 
Her cool thing is she she has the ability to basically like loot through walls. Where she lays down this thing called a black market totem. And you and your allies can run up to it and grab two things from like this big circle radius. Like through walls and shit. You just grab it. Neat. Alright. Cool. Yeah. Well, on my end, uh, I platted two games. And uh, the difference in time spent to get those plats is uh, a large gulf of time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One of them was probably like, you know, I was playing nothing but this game for probably like a week straight. And it was like, you know, I got a guess that was like fucking 30, 35 hours of playtime. To to one hundred percent it, and and the other game I uh, bought last night and uh, platted today, and you know I only played it for five minutes last night and like a half hour today, so like that's the difference we're talking about here. So the first game is Sleeping Dogs, which it was great. Hell yeah! I was super surprised by how good this game was. Uh, if you if you at all like GTA style games. Please give Sleeping Dogs a shot. I feel like it got super overlooked. It got overlooked by me for years. You know, I love, you know, GTA and I love open world, you know, stealing cars, shooting people kind of games. But this really never really landed on my radar. And I don't know why. Um, In terms of GTA clones, I feel like it should definitely be in the conversation for the best GTA clone ever made. Like, I enjoyed it more than any Saints Row or any fucking other thing that I could think of. Um, It was great. So, for those of you that don't know, uh, Sleeping Dogs was... uh, It came out in 2012 for the last generation, the PS3 360. And then they released a uh, quote-unquote definitive edition. Yeah. For... uh, PS4 and X bone in 2014 and I played the definitive edition and uh, it's, it's super great. So this was originally an Activision game and uh, the, the development studio was United front games. Now Activision kind of wanted it to be changed during the development into a true crime game. I don't know if you remember that fucking series, but uh, that's when, Speaking of GTA clones, so that that series was like a shitty one in the PS2 era. <laughs> they, they weren't very good games, but I can see how they could see what Sleeping Dogs was and want it to be changed into a true crime game because true crime was about an undercover cop. And so therefore, you can do the bad guy GTA stuff, but you're still like a good guy. Yeah. In a way, and that's exactly how Sleeping Dog is. You play as a, a fucking undercover cop, uh, undercover as a member of the triads as you rise up the ranks. Game takes place in Hong Kong, which is a fantastic setting for an open world game. It's a great change of pace from American cities, which dominate most of them. Um, I like the different flavor. It lends the entire experience. Uh God, like even just something as simple as getting used to driving on the side of the road and getting into the car on the right side is 
just a great attention to just like the little things make me happy when it comes to that. So it was basically finished as true crime three or whatever it was going to be called true crime, Hong Kong, I think before Activision decided to cancel it. Uh, I think they just viewed it as they put too much money into it and they didn't want to put any more money into it. And they just decided to cut their losses uh, for whatever reason, because apparently it was mostly done. It could have probably been released. So seeing potential in it, Square Enix of all companies bought it and released it. They uh, invested a bit more time and effort into it. Like, like everybody from United Front Games got fucking laid off by Activision. So uh, Square Enix hired some of them back and uh, put their own teams to work on it and refined it and released it the following year. 2012 as sleeping dogs they renamed it because they wanted it to stand alone and they they didn't necessarily have to buy the true crime license or anything because it's not like that license was like a shining like beacon or anything it wasn't going to help the sales probably (laughs) like like nobody cares about true crime and it, it ended up being like super good uh one of the things i like most about it is you're in Hong Kong. You're not in the U.S. So as a result, it's not like every single fucking person in their grandma has an AK-47. So there's no gun stores. There's no way to purchase guns in any way. You kind of just get them off of bad guys and only during missions. So for the most part, you're actually fighting hand-to-hand combat with thugs and there is gunplay, but it is few and far between. When when there is gunplay, it's decent. But you could tell that they wanted the focus to be the hand-to-hand. And the hand-to-hand's good. It's really simplistic. It's uh, kind of reminds me of Batman, but it's even more simplistic than Batman. Batman, you need to kind of have a rhythm. This, you kind of just have to look for guys that are flashing and counter them. And then just kind of like wail on them and maybe throw in a heavy hit every now and then and you unlock like better moves game and it's really simple but there are some cool things you can do with it like you can disarm guys like guys will have knives and then if you get a knife you can like stab them and kill them way quicker but then the knives have like durability and they'll break and it makes every single little combat encounter have something to it that you could approach it in a different way you could even just decide to, like, instead of getting out of the car and actually fighting them, uh, just run them over. Or if you do end up getting a gun, just shoot the guys. And uh, yeah. it, it makes it a lot of fun because you could approach things many different ways. Uh, there's there's lots of great open world activities in that game. That, that's something that I think open world games kind of struggle with is, like, having fun stuff for you to do that doesn't really feel like busy work. Uh, there's drug busts, you can hack surveillance cameras, and there's, like, the hacking minigames are actually, like, really fun. I was super surprised that they were actually good. Usually hacking minigames suck ass. Uh, (laughs) I'm thinking of, like, stuff like Bioshock and things like that. I just did not feel them. Uh, there's stealing cars and, you know, doing, like, little missions for pedestrians, you know, beating up drunks and, like, you know, hey, help me escape from the cops. And it's all fun. There's even karaoke, <laughs> which yeah. is the most ridiculous fucking side quests in the entire game. Uh, 
it's not as fun as the karaoke in Yakuza, but it is kind of funny. It's funny for like the little bit of it you have. Uh, one of the weirder inclusions in the side quests is your girlfriends. Uh, so, so unlike GTA, where like if you get a girlfriend, you got to go on multiple dates with them and then you unlock like some kind of perk or some kind of like car or something like there's always an objective because right. it's a video game. Uh, so unlike that, you just go on one date and it's a really super easy mission. And then the girl is deleted from your phone and you can never talk to her again. It's like way dumps the girl off screen or something that there's a couple that show up again, like one that dumps you because there's a couple missions where like you're, you find out she's cheating on you and you like stalk her and, and shit. Uh, but like, for the most part, it's kind of just like they show up and then you have this one little mission and then the characters fuck <laughs> and then you never talk to them again. And it's it wouldn't be that weird if it wasn't for one that is super weird because the first girlfriend you get is voiced by Emma Stone. <laughs> and yeah, I love that. she's in one mission and then she's in the one girlfriend mission and she maybe has like seven lines of dialogue. And then she is deleted from the game. And I've never really encountered something like this before because this game doesn't really have a lot of famous Hollywood actors. In it. There are some like notable voice actors and such, but like she's easily the most famous person in this entire game. And she has seven lines and then leaves. It is so weird. <laughs> It stands out like a sore thumb. I'm wondering if like that was like a holdover from when Activision was making the game and threw money at it. Uh, and maybe she was going to have more lines, but like they didn't have time to do anything. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I, I don't no know. Idea. It feels a little bit like they uh, they looked at how GTA 4 was perceived because GTA 4 had that like friendship system where like you know everybody made fun of it because Roman would go like hey Nico let's go bowling like every 5 minutes so everybody made fun of it and everybody hated that aspect of the game uh so it seems like they in an effort to like avoid that they decided to make it like just oh so all the girlfriends you just go on one thing unlock the thing that you get from doing it and then that's it there's no further talk with them which i think kind of comes across as like they they did it so that it was more efficient and less annoying but it comes across as like they didn't care about any of the female characters because <laughs> literally every single female character just like way fucks them and then never talks to them again <laughs> and it's kind of weird uh, speaking of which, uh-huh. Wei Shen is a weird character. Yeah. Uh, he's a really weird character because he is like, he is the ultra Chad. <laughs> he's like he is. the most super, super cop that ever existed ever. And, and like, he's so infallible and so invincible that it defies belief uh, late in the game, he gets the shit tortured out of him and, like, shot point blank with a shotgun. Yeah, just chads his way out of it. And, like, stabbed a million times. And, yeah, he just chads his way out of it. He chads his way out of situation in the game. Yeah. Like, the bad guys could have cut his head off and he would have still beat all their asses. Like, right, like yeah. it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> the head would have just crawled around on the ground while the body beat the shit out of everybody. 
Yeah, which it makes a lot of the missions really enjoyable because like nobody is even close to his life. Like <laughs> he just destroys everybody he comes into contact with. But like it, it, there is no point where you feel like in danger and the game isn't particularly difficult. There are there's a couple moments, but it does stand out as weird because you definitely feel like a lot of the faults of like a character like Nico Bellic, for example, just, you know, this came out around the same time. So that's like a good direct comparison. He never feels like invincible. He feels like a very flawed character and way has flaws, but the game never really puts focus on them. And they kind of just present him as like a Chad and like, he never really like receives any direct like consequences of him being an undercover cop. Like I was, I was expecting there to be a big moment of the triads figuring him out, but really that never happens Uh, for the most part. All of your big friend characters, there's no like big betrayal moment where like your friendly triad characters find out you're a cop and go like, what the fuck? I trusted you, man. And and then they attack you maybe even no moment like that. You kind of just go through the whole game basically being on the triad side, but you're not really, you're a cop. And I wish they did a little more with that, but it's still fun. Like the story's not great, but it is fun and it has a lot of good moments. Uh, I liked when he got his comeuppance against the, uh, the corrupt police chief at the end, which uh, was satisfying. Um, it was a really good experience, but the, the one thing that does kind of hold it back, but this is only maybe for the Defendant Edition, is the DLC. Yeah, it's not... The DLC is not that great. Yeah, that's, that's what I heard. Um, I never played it myself because I played it way back, like, shortly after it came out on the 360. I, I would suggest just ignoring the DLC for the most part. Like, even if you want to plat it, you don't have to do the DLC. They're mostly standalone. The only one that gets incorporated into the main game is is the best one which is the Zodiac tournament. And there's this like isolated Island you can go to at any point, but I would, I would recommend getting all the combat first. Uh, <laughs> and cause it's all combat based. And it's this little like enter the dragon grind housey spoof where you're just beating up a bunch of dudes on an Island and throwing them into horrible, horrible environmental kills, like grilling people's faces and throwing them on spikes and all this shit. And it's it's a lot of fun until the last mission, which is bullshit. <laughs> There's like a fucking spike trap, like like a, a ceiling with spikes on it descending. And like I got killed at that part like 20 times because the game doesn't communicate to you well what you're supposed to do there. And even when you figure it out, it's super fucking difficult. That aside, though, it is really fun. Um, the other DLCs suck, though. Uh, there's Nightmare at North Point, which is a non-canon supernatural story. You got like ancient Chinese vampires and demons and even resurrected bad guys from the main story. Uh, I, I guess they were trying to do something like Undead Nightmare, the the Red Dead DLC, mm. where it was like, oh, look at all the fun we can have with this not being canon. Like there's monsters and shit. Yeah. But like it it just has repetitive, annoying combat that keeps it from being any fun. Like where the combat shines in sleeping dogs is the ability 
to approach enemies in a lot of ways. But in this, you have to approach all of these enemies the same way. You can only kill the vampires by beating them up, getting them stunned, and then hitting circle. Yeah. So you have to keep doing that. And then the demons, you have to get build up your meter and then kill them. You can't hit them unless you build up your meter. It is repetitive, and every single mission is just beating up these creatures. And there's, like, no variety. Yeah, that sounds so, exhausting. It wasn't good. And it was super disappointing after actually playing the main game and having fun with it. Uh, Year of the Snake is much better, but it's still really limited in scope. Uh, both of them are. It was cool to see Way like, after the main story, kind of, like, forced to be a normal cop. It was kind of funny at first. He's, like, be, having to be a meter maid and shit. This sucks ass. Uh, <laughs> but, uh... But the story's like kind of slapped together and it's just like this, this half-baked idea of like there's some kind of cult trying to blow up Hong Kong with car bombs and shit because they think the end of the world's happening. But you don't really get a whole lot of expansion on that idea. You just like, you know, stop a bunch of car bombs and then stop the main guy. And stopping the main guy isn't even a final boss. Like you just arrest him. <laughs> there's no final boss, which was strange. Every single bad guy in the main game big fight with them and there's lots of stuff that happens so this main bad guy of this you just fucking arrest him was really lame but dlc aside i recommend this game it's usually super cheap i got it for like fucking four dollars and like that is a bargain this is a very good very fun game you don't have to 100 percent it but if you are trying to 100 percent it there's a lot of quality of life stuff that helps you. Like, for example, collectibles in games are usually a fucking chore and they suck. Yeah. In this game, when you do the girlfriend missions, they unlock the locations of collectibles on your map. Oh, okay. Hey, look at that. You can actually see where all the fucking things are. The fact that we're in 2020 and not every single game does this to some degree that has like a million bullshit collectibles is asinine. <laughs> Sleeping Dogs did it in 2012, motherfucker. <laughs> Please tell me where all the stupid things are. Yeah, what well, fun is it to just look up a guide on the internet and go to all these locations? Like, you thing. didn't do anything. You just looked up a guide. It's this, It might as well just be in the game itself if you're going to do that. And Sleeping Dogs ends up, like, getting the collectibles actually isn't that bad. They're in easy-to-find locations, and their being on your map is fine, and, there's, and they're actually useful. There's shrines that give you health. There's lockboxes that give you money and guns and clothes. Actually getting them is useful. It doesn't just only give you an achievement or a trophy. And that is nice as well. That's really fun. Games should also do that too. <laughs> if you're going to go to the trouble of getting all 50 of this collectible, it should at least give you a thing. Right. <laughs> there should be a reward. Otherwise, it is literally just busy work. Yeah, like Ubisoft games. Yes, like Ubisoft games. <laughs> I, I tried to get all the flags in Assassin's Creed 1, and, uh, you know... That's, like, the worst one, too. Uh... <laughs> I had that glitch on me, too. One of Like, I got 99 out of 100 flags in the big open area. The kingdom. 
and one of them didn't spawn for me. And I was like, what do I do? And looking into it, it was like, not you're just, you got to start the game over. And I'm like, I'm not getting 99 of these again. Are you fucking high? And then just never played Assassin's Creed 1 again. I uh, I got that got achievement by uh, falling through a house. <laughs> That's another thing. <laughs> I've heard that that can happen too. Yeah, but calling complete action. It's the first time I played the game. It's my first session too, like maybe an hour in. And I'm just like uh-huh. going across rooftops and I just fell into one. And then just like, you know, got infinitely suspended in the video game void. And then, and then an achievement popped. And I was like, what? <laughs> That doesn't make any sense. I don't even know how that would make any sense. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Well, still not going to get all of them. I still never got all the trophies that came in. The hardest one was out of the way. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I see, I'm someone that is, you know, maybe I'm insane, but I don't mind getting collectibles. I find it a somewhat relaxing experience just sitting there and going through a guide and getting all the things. But having to look it up on a phone is a hassle. Having to have a guide is a hassle. It was way more enjoyable to do in Sleeping Dogs. I'm still doing that, but I just have to hit start. Oh, yeah. there's one. I go get it. Every game should have that. You would otherwise. There's 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 no way to know where they are without a guide. Mm-hmm. You would. So what's the point? You would think uh, Spider Man did it. That's a good example of a modern game that has done this well. Thank you to Spider-Man. <laughs> um, the other game I played was way shorter, and I have way less to say about it. Uh, it's called Snakey Bus. Have you heard of Snakey Bus? So I have it until you posted about it. <laughs> and I saw yeah, your, I posted I saw the Twitter video, video of it. On Twitter. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, what the sweet fuck is this? All right, so Snakey Bus is, uh, is a little game made by five people. I think they made Cluster Truck, or at least they're associated with the people that made Cluster Truck, if you've ever seen that game. Yeah. So, so, you're, so, you're, so you're a bus, and uh, you drive around, and as you drive around and pick up people, uh, against their will, they get, like, sucked into your bus and they scream – uh, as you pick up people across the map, which there's several, uh, they range from actual cities to like you're a tiny bus in a dorm room driving around like this is Toy Story shit. Do you know what I mean? Like you're tiny. Uh, yeah. So as you pick up people and take them to their destinations, your bus gets longer by a series of buses. It's like you start out with like, I don't even know how many buses long you are at the start but like let's say 10 the more you get the longer your bus gets to the point where like you got like 200 buses connected (laughs) and and so you're driving around the level like let's say you're in seattle and you just turn a corner and there's just like a shitload of buses in the way that are connected to you because they go and follow you wherever you've been like a snake uh, they snake all throughout the level and continuously get bigger. So you have to find a way to avoid hitting yourself because if you stop in any way, if you stop moving, you get a game over and you get your score and then you're done. Uh, <laughs> and that's snaky bus. That is all there is to it. You're literally just driving around trying your best to not hit your own snake and uh, delivering people as best you can. 
Uh, it has an extremely small trophy list. It's just like 10 trophies and it has a plat, but uh, you can get it in like a half hour because <laughs> it's all just like get this many points and it's just like maybe a couple runs through a couple levels and then you unlock a new level and it's like, all right, so cool. Like unlock this bus and then unlock this level and it, it doesn't take a whole lot to do. Yeah. Uh, it it, it's like a, a more... short little fun game you can laugh at in an evening with a friends. That's probably its best use. Yeah, and um, like, I like how it's like it, it, it's te- it's definitely one of those like like plat like plat hunter games, but at least well, it sounds I, unique. I oddly enough did not know it had a plat when I bought it. I wanted to buy it because it looks dumb and fun, right? And then I saw that it has ten trophies, and that's it. So usually when I see that, that means it doesn't have a plat. Because if usually if they think to have a plat, there's like 30 other trophies. 10 sounds like a game that doesn't have a plat. It just has a couple bronze, a couple silver, maybe one gold if you're lucky. Like a lot of games, like indie games. Do. And this is definitely an indie game. But lo and behold, <laughs> it's my 52nd plat. <laughs> And and it and it took a it took a it took the time to maybe get one trophy in Sleeping Dogs, of which there was like sixty <laughs> to to get uh, the, all of them. Uh, but I will still play it again because it's a lot of fun. You can see like the, the leaderboards are insane. I don't know how people are getting these fucking two thousand bus long things. I struggled to get up to four twenty. Because you need to get 420 to get a trophy. Of course it's 420. Of course that's the number it shows. Uh, but uh, I think it's a little expensive right now. Like, this is a good spend a $3 kind of game. Yeah. It's a little expensive right now. It's like 8 I don't think it's an $8 game. But like it's on Switch and shit too. This would be a good Switch game. Just like if it's on sale for like a dollar. Pick it up. It's fun. Okay. <laughs> I'm looking forward to like uh, you know during a boring evening hanging out with a bunch of you guys. We'll we'll whip out the snaky bus, which that ooh that sounds like a double entendre. But anyway, uh, <laughs> well, uh, and and like I don't know, I, that's something we could laugh at for a half hour. Yeah, that's its main use. That's its key function. <laughs> that'd be a, that'd be a nice little post quarantine thing to do. Please God, when will quarantine end? <laughs> Probably when we're done watching Friday the 13th movies, which feels like never. Right. <laughs> uh, quarantine will end when Jason is actually dead, which is never. No. So, do you have anything else you want to talk about before we transition to that, by the way? No, I'm good. I've had a fairly boring week. I've been playing a lot of Madden. So. Men. Men. How how is Madden twenty? Yeah, 20. Madden twenty. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah. playing. That's it's fine. It's Madden, dude. Like I, I every year I get this game when it's like fifteen dollars, <laughs> and I say the same thing. Yeah, it's Madden. It's uh, no. Yeah, I, I do not know the mindset of the person that has to buy Madden day one and actually spends sixty to ninety dollars on Madden every year. That exactly. seems kind of crazy. Fifteen dollar, fifteen to twenty. Yeah, you, you gotta like wait till it's like fifteen or twenty. Like you know, l- let me put this in perspective. Uh, for a joke, for a fantasy league I had, I decided for the winner for one of the prizes 
that a winner could get. I was going to go to my local exchange and buy a copy of every single Madden of the decade. So I bought Madden 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19. I bought 10 Maddens, and it cost $30. Dale. Yeah, that's kind of how that's that's where the value of Madden goes. <laughs> the value of them decreases so much as time goes on, yeah. and and obviously Madden Ten was like a dollar. Right. <laughs> like it's so insane to me the mindset of someone that actually spends sixty at launch for a game that is basically the same game they already own, but with an updated roster and maybe a couple new microtransactions. Even then, like. That, like- <laughs> Lot of rot, like they they get all the roster updates. I mean, it stops the roster like, updates for the old one. You can play Madden 19 with the current players. Yeah, you can. They update that shit. Yeah, but like, <laughs> and they they add like a usually like only a couple new mechanics per year, and they're not not anything too substantial. This this one they added uh this thing called like X Factor, which is like each of the like higher okay. ranked players. Has like a special ability that activates after they do something. Isn't that your special ability in Marvel vs. Capcom called that X Factor? Well, that's that's just like something you pop. (laughs) Okay, all right, sure. Uh, Okay, I got you. So in in Madden, like for example, like playing a Packers franchise, I got the Aaron Rodgers, right? The The, the Aaron, the Aaron Rodgers, and his is called his X Factor is called Gambler. And it's uh, if I complete four passes in a row, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, until I until I throw two incompletions with the ball. Uh, AI defenders, human defenders still can, but AI defenders cannot intercept my balls. Interesting. So I can go a little wild for a couple plays if I wanted to. So they added special abilities to Madden, huh? Yeah. Okay, well, that's a cool addition, I guess. It's 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 okay. the uh, The only issue I find with it is like it really, it like even more so, kind of like weighs certain players over others by a wide margin, especially in something like franchise mode. Oh, oh I bet. Like, what are you, what special ability are you going to give Mitchell Trubisky? None. He doesn't have one. You have, have it, like a, you have to have like at least he straight a, up doesn't have one. No, you have to have at least like at least a ninety rating to get an X Factor. Is oh, okay. It's not just quarterbacks. It's whoever gets a ninety or above. Right, they're defensive. Like Aaron Donald has one. Or if he gets like two sacks, okay. if he gets like two sacks. He has like an easier time blasting through offensive linemen. All right. Well, that is kind of cool. But yeah, that would weigh some teams even more further into being good than others. Yeah, it, it, it's it's weird. I don't know how much I like it. I also tried out the story mode in it for a little bit. Oh, yeah. I forgot that was even... A, is that like a fucking Spike Lee thing, or am I thinking of the that best? That was the last one. Uh, this one is like... It's just called Face of the Franchise. And uh, okay. it's... Uh, you play as a quarterback, and you like make decisions and stuff. And then like... And I only played like the first part of it. We're All right. Not, you're playing in a college team. And they actually have like the college, like like the college team logos and shit in there. All with fake cool. players, no, not not real, well, real players. Can't, can't, can't play them. Paid. Can't pay them. So like, I was the quarterback for the LSU Tigers. Okay. And I, and I played against Clemson, also the Tigers. <laughs> That's funny. 
<laughs> that, that's kind of funny. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this is okay. But, like, randomly, like, I don't know. I, my, my guy was coming out of the tunnel to start this game. And then, I don't know, Pat Mahomes was there. <laughs> he was like, good luck on the game today, buddy. Terribly acted because he's not an actor. <laughs> yeah, I was hearing there was a lot of problems with the NBA 2K acting. Yeah, because it's a bunch of like people who can't act. No. <sighs> Why do they try? It, it's like they know that their game is lacking. So they slap dash together a story mode. The last one actually had like a actual like kind of decent story mode in it with like real actors. Was that the one with like fucking uh, Mahashira Ali? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I remember that getting it advertised. I was like, I think. Was it? I I, see. I'm remembering he did. He did did the NBA one. One of the NBA ones. I don't know if he did the Madden. He did the Madden. Somebody like an actual director did the Madden one too. I think. And so, like, and I guess, like, they just abandoned that completely. It was probably because not enough people played it. Was it Zack Snyder? Did he direct did oh, yeah, the Madden? <laughs> In quarterback's backstory, he, uh, he killed his younger brother with a football. And so now he has trouble being a quarterback, but he's really talented. Oh, man. The fucking the dude's about to sack the quarterback, and he's, he's like, Why did you say that name? Why did you say Martha? <laughs> 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 the dark and gritty football reboot. <laughs> yeah, no, Zack Snyder should make the career for the XFL game. That's what should happen. <laughs> that, that's what you do. <laughs> Sweet God. But yeah, it's Madden. I don't know. That's that's God, there's not a whole lot to say about Madden. It's Madden. Uh, and it's gonna continue to be Madden. I bet I have a prediction that the next Madden is going to be bad. Uh, my prediction is based on it seems like every time they transition to a new generation, there's kind of a weird disconnect where it's bad for some reason at first, and then they perfect it as they go. But who knows? Uh, <laughs> I guess this next generation is different from others because they don't necessarily have to like relearn a lot of new stuff because it's gonna kind of be like it's more transitionary than others yeah and that's uh, just because, because like, you'll get to still experience the same games on ps4 and they'll be the same game as the ps5 one they'll just have worse graphics and load times right and that's at least for a for a time for a time yeah the, the that's just kind of the way it's going now. because with these console generations you're making less like we're making less technological leaps in like like actual software yeah and a lot of these leaps are coming through hardware now mm-hmm. and just like what you can do with the hardware uh so it's it's easier for this stuff to translate and also with architecture being closer and closer to pcs than they've ever been yeah kind of helps that along where it is easier to just like bring your games over yeah that makes sense but yeah are you, are you ready to talk about this fucking movie? The boy, am I ever, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. This is going to be interesting. Uh, okay. So um, here we are. We're at the third one of these. And it, it feels like maybe nothing has happened. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I want to keep the timeline 
in our heads as we go a little bit because it's 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 really wonky in these first couples so you have friday one takes place on like let's say summer of like 1980 or whatever and then you know the next movie releases like about a year later and i would say that's about the amount of time between those two yeah but three takes place the day after two and if we're assuming that two takes place on a friday the 13th which there isn't always a friday the 13th in the summer every year but like let's ignore that for now uh that would make this actually saturday the 14th correct yeah so it's not a Friday the 13th movie. It's it, see, So there's no bad luck aspect to this at all. Friday the 13th. It, it's just... <laughs> Saturday the 14th. Sure. Uh, and I, I think this is continues. I think 4 takes place the next day. Oh. So, so that's Sunday the 15th. <laughs> like, I know it has to stop at some point. <laughs> I'm just saying, like... Jason kills a lot of people in this three-day weekend here. (laughs) I'm just saying. So anyway, all that aside, Friday the 13th Part 3, 3D, uh, was released in August of 1982. And uh, this movie was uh, rushed into production. I'm not sure if you could tell. Uh, because everything is so professionally done. <laughs> it's really hard to tell, right? Uh, much like the previous entry. So so this makes it three years in a row with Friday the 13th films in the summer, yeah. which, like, you know, the money machine keeps rolling, and this is what they intended. Uh, so Steve Miner, who directed Part 2, returns to direct. So he directed probably these back-to-back, and that probably had to be annoying as fuck. Uh, As such, I don't think it's any surprise that this is his final film in this franchise. (laughs) And uh, apparently, it was originally intended for part three to be the end. Uh, It'd be the real conclusion to this entire series, and uh, this would not be the case... Uh, immediately. (laughs) And, uh, this will be a trend throughout the series. You will see many starts and stops that, uh, seem definitive, but are not because money is there to be made. And, and the Hollywood, uh, (laughs) engine has to keep rolling. Uh, so the writer of part two, Ron Kurz decides to, you know, not return to part three. So once again, we have new newbie rookie writers, we got a uh, husband and wife screenwriting duo, Martin Kitrosser and Carol Watson. Yes, that's right. Uh, for the first time and maybe only time, bookmark this for later. Uh, we have a woman writing a Friday the 13th film, uh, something that I'm sure a lot of people decry as anti-women and misogynist because it's uh, a lot of a lot of deaths of teenage girls a lot of gruesome deaths of teenage girls uh i think it's just you know a lot of guys die too it's pretty equal in my opinion oh, yeah. <laughs> equal opportunity death 
Jason's not an anything but a misogynist. He worships his mom, okay? <laughs> Anywho, uh, Paramount Pictures later ordered uh, writer Petru Popescu, I probably butchered his name, but whatever, uh, to touch up the screenplay and make it, uh, quote, more sinister and menacing. I don't know if they succeeded, but they probably inserted a couple more deaths and stuff here. So the original idea behind this third movie was very different from what we got. Uh, doesn't surprise me. They, uh, you know, went through a bunch of different versions before arriving to the very slapdash nothing of a plot we got for three. Uh, so the idea was to focus on Ginny Field, the main character of part two. Uh, hey, there would have been actually been continuity. That would have been cool. Uh, so this early version of the film went through a couple different versions. One saw Ginny return to college and learn self-defense with Jason following her to the campus and killing off her boyfriend, Paul. And then Ginny sets out to confront Jason herself. It's like revenge. Uh, and then another version saw Ginny institutionalized in a psychiatric hospital with uh, Jason tracking her down and killing the staff and patients to get to her. Which, uh, if this, that's literally Halloween 2, which came out in 1981, the year before this, the same year as part two. So if they did go with that option, it probably would have been just seen as a copycat and maybe not have ended up as famous as as it did. Instead, it copied itself and just made part two again, (laughs) instead of making a different horror film again. Um and and the first version is kind of interesting because uh, our director here eventually directs Halloween H2O, which is basically the idea of the final girl getting her revenge and fighting off the the monster that previously tormented her in a slasher film. Yeah. So I guess he finally got to make that kind of movie. Um, flaws and all, I still think H2O is kind of fun for that. Anyway, focusing on Ginny was abandoned anyway. Uh, This is because Amy Steele declined to return to the franchise. Uh, As she puts it, they really wanted me for part three. They didn't have a script, but they were just going to show me some sort of outline. Then my agents got involved, and I don't know if it was a money issue or a script issue, but I didn't do it. (laughs) So as such, the story was restructured to focus on new characters. I mean victims. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and your cast is once again filled with uh, mostly unknown actors which we'll get to as you go through the plot and everything uh, which I guess you could uh, probably start doing in, uh, well let me just say this I guess so So they, they filmed it uh, on the Valuze Movie Ranch in Saugus, California which makes this uh, the first of these Friday films to actually film on the opposite coast, films on the west coast instead of the east coast. The other ones were like localized in uh, Jersey and New Hampshire and I, I think that it's kind of obvious that they did that. I kind of appreciate the vibe of Jersey, kind of like dingy looking <laughs> camps as opposed to the the California kind of look here they did build uh this house barn and lake all for the film and and that house uh remained on that ranch until 2012 when it unfortunately burned down 
but uh, you could have visited it, all of it, and, uh, until then. And and I guess it's important to uh, note before we get into this movie because it'll be very apparent as we begin talking about it that uh, d- did you know this film was shot in three D? It's supposed to be in three D, Justin. Did you know that? What? <laughs> See, I, I couldn't tell. There's, you know, maybe like uh, one or two or, or 35 scenes of people directly uh, pointing objects towards the camera. Uh, but, uh, you know, wow, it's really hard to tell besides that. <laughs> so, so yeah, anyway, it, it's the gimmick of 3D is all over this movie. You overutilized. This was the first Paramount film to be shot in 3D since 1954. It was kind of out of style by now, Uh, but they decided to do this for whatever reason. And uh, just constant shots calling attention to it being in 3D. Um, As actress Tracy Savage remembers, quote, the key priority in every scene was making sure that the 3D effects worked. It didn't matter how the lines were delivered. It didn't matter if we stumbled or fumbled. It didn't matter if our performance was not perfect. We never did a second take. The 3D effects were a very technical, difficult thing to do. And uh, Larry Zerner, who plays Shelley, uh, echoes the sentiment, and he says, it quickly became clear that most of the time the performances did not matter. When we were shooting the scene at the convenience store with the gang members and I had to throw a wallet at the camera, it was hit the camera. Then after 10 takes, it was hit the camera, asshole. So, yeah, they were definitely not caring about the performances in this movie. (laughs) And it really shines through in the final product. Very much so. I think this is probably the worst acted out of these three movies so far. <sighs> Definitely, but uh, oddly enough, I think that gives it a sort of funny charm. Uh, it is, it is, it is the funniest of the three, and therefore possibly the most enjoyable so far. So I guess go ahead and hit me up with uh, what happens in this movie, which is not a lot. No. So <laughs> the first fucking five minutes of this movie are, are started as a recap of the end of two. Oh yeah, it's it's the last five minutes of the last movie. They're gonna keep doing this. Yep. Sure are. And then you get a big, big old Friday the 13th Part 3 coming right at your face. Oh, no, 3D, oh! I think this is a... I think this is a good point to note the the music that's playing, by the way. Yeah. It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> it's, it's super funny. I was laughing my ass off. It's like the score they chose music. for this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, so yeah, this was done by Harry Manfredini. He returned once again to score the film, and uh, this time with a disco theme for the opening credits. <laughs> and uh, so he claims, and uh, just note that he claims this, and that there is maybe not much proof otherwise <laughs> uh, that this disco theme was popular in discos and gay clubs at the time. <laughs> I don't know. I can't really see people dancing to this necessarily. No, I don't think uh, so. Maybe fucking because it does sound like porn music. Mm-hmm. 100%. <laughs> You're definitely right. Uh, 
I don't know. I think it just kind of like, I, I don't know how much of this movie was self-aware in terms of it being basically a comedy and not a horror film, but they definitely seem to lean into more ridiculous stuff in this one than they ever did. Oh yeah. And uh, bless them. F- bless them for it. Cause it, it is way more entertaining that way. <laughs> yeah. Just lean into it, you know? Sure. And so our, our film actually starts mm-hmm. at, at this like little crystal Lake convenience store. Oh my Lord. <laughs> I love this opening. It's, <laughs> it's fucking hysterical. There's some, there's some, there's a clothes hanging up outside, getting blown in the wind because the storms are coming. Yeah. And uh, you got this uh, this this lady who's all uh, who's got who's got the little tails in her hair, all ready to go, iron in her hair. Mm-hmm. Your stereotypical housewife looking yeah. character. This is a uh, Sherry Malgons as Edna. Uh, and the other guy here is Steve Suskind as Harold, yep. the annoying shopkeep. Uh, <laughs> Harold just uh, moseys on up through the through the, the hanging laundry and, and uh, knocks a uh, pole over, and she gets mad. And right here is our first very blatant use of the 3D. Mm-hmm. He picks up this pole to put it back, and he puts it directly in front of the camera. Oh my god, it would probably be a good drinking game to watch this in 2D, not in 3D, and and just take a drink every time there's a blatant 3D shot. Although you would probably be hammered <laughs> like yeah. 10 minutes in, because <laughs> it's a lot. And just to talk, like like already right away, about how like they just didn't care about how the acting was, because the shot was right. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just like putting on this really dumb face. While he's putting it up, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is. Um, now this is the most horrifying scene in the movie because uh, we we get to so so. <laughs> at least for me, because this grosses me out. Uh, I hate the idea of anyone tampering with my food before I buy it. Yeah, that grosses so, me the fuck out. So this so man sitting in the store, right? In the who's in charge of a convenience store? Yeah, he, uh, he he's feeding his fish. <laughs> oh right, yeah. He eats a little bit of the fish food, which is. Like- <laughs> and he's like, "That's not bad. You good?" And then he like looks at it and it says like fucking like fly larva or whatever, and he's like, "Ugh." So, I guess to get the taste out of his mouth, he goes over to like eat some peanuts. It's uh, day and, fly eggs, by the way. Day fly eggs. Oh, that's disgusting. So, yeah, I hope they didn't actually make this actor eat the fish food. I'd feel bad. No, he finds, uh, he finds they, they got some, like, fruit and vegetable products over there. He finds, a, uh, I'm guessing, his pet rabbit in a, yeah. uh, in a pile of lettuce. He's like, he pulls the rabbit up and out. Things adorable, mm-hmm. by the way. And cutie. Cute rabbit. Cute. But then he just starts eating peanuts out of the can and then just puts puts the lid back on. Yeah. And then he eats a couple donuts out of the package. And like, uh, like, bro, it's your store. Just like, instead of putting the product back, just like eat it for yourself. Well, well, here's the one that grosses me out the most. His wife comes in and bitches at him about the rabbit. And he, she puts the half-eaten donut out of his hand back in the fucking box. <laughs> Could you imagine buying a box of donuts and fucking 
eaten one already in it. <laughs> I, think, I think the worst one is he takes a sip of the Sunny D while he's chewing on peanuts. That's right, and he just puts it back on the shelves. That's the worst one because you probably got some. It's so disgusting. Fucking peanuts too. Yeah, and not to mention the fucking fish food. (laughs) Right. And and speaking of unsanitary, uh, so this man goes to take a shit, and and we see it. Uh, (laughs) But like, obviously, they're just filming a movie. He's not actually taking a shit. Uh, but the, they kind of forget a key aspect of taking a shit, which is you wipe. This uh, happens twice in this movie. This happens twice in this movie yeah. with different <laughs> characters. They just they take a shit and then they're like, Ooh, what's that? They hear like, you know, Jason fumbling around or whatever. And then they get up to walk, to look and they just don't wipe their ass. So like, <laughs> OK, <laughs> like, I guess you could argue that they're startled. And they don't think to wipe their ass. But it happens twice. <laughs> like, at that point, I'm wondering, like, does 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 Steve Miner not wipe his ass? Either? <laughs> like, <laughs> what was this direction? They're like, I'd like to think one of the actors was like, should I wipe my ass? He's like, what's that mean? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I'm never... What do you mean wipe your ass? You just you just poop and you're done. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> dude, and they're like, okay, dude. <laughs> Our man Harold, after he gets up from that white to get ass, walk, walks him in his shitty pants over to the door. Mm-hmm. He hears something. He opens it, and then uh, whack fucking cleaver right in his chest. Boom. He's, Kill number one. He's fucked. Yeah. Yeah, now his wife comes on over. And she's looking around. She's like, Harold! 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 He's scared by a little albino mouse. Cutie. Little cute mouse. Look at cutie. It was scary. It's cute. Well, we have differing opinions, Justin. I'm sorry. And then he... I got spooked. Then he grabs, uh, he grabs her. Jason pops up, grabs her from behind mm-hmm. and uh, shoves a needle... In through the back of her head through her mouth. Yeah, it's super grisly because, like, it comes out of her mouth and, like, his hand is over her mouth and the needle comes out from between Jason's fingers. Yeah. Which is such a weird grisly detail. I, I'm it, it, <laughs> fucking creepy. Actually, pretty good effective death. And then immediately cuts to, uh... <laughs> so, like, a kid just, like, holding a baseball bat Oh, at the camera. Yeah, at the camera. Like, a very intentionally. Mm-hmm. It looks terrible. It does. <laughs> and we're introduced to some of our other characters. Uh, or all of the, the teens going out for a trip. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm sure this is going to get worse as we go, but I'm confused about the map layout of Camp Crystal Lake. So, so you got you got a big lake. Yeah, it's it's feasible that there's multiple campsites, but how many is there going to be <laughs> like Camp Crystal Lake, Camp Crystal Lake on Crystal Lake and then the fucking trainee camp from two. And then there's this other set of cabins that is unrelated to those two things it, for part gonna, three. It's just this is a house. Yes, but then there's like a barn and stuff. So that's still on the lake, though. 
Right. Yeah. It's just, I'm just trying to like get it straight in my head how many f- things are around Camp Crystal Lake. <laughs> yeah. So the kids whip on up, they get out, and they're, they're picking up their friend. Uh, I forget his name, but there's, there's, there's Jackass here, and he, uh, he's wearing a I Creeps up I got him. all their names. So, yeah, this is Shelly. This is Larry Zerner as Shelly, the, the Jonah Hill of the 80s. And and uh, <laughs> looks straight out of Superbad, this dude. Uh, so he's he's a bit of a weird character. I'm not sure if they want you to feel bad for him or if they want you to feel annoyed by him. Him dead. I I don't know what the intention necessarily is because it they kind of just do all of it at the same time. <laughs> Like, you're supposed to feel bad because he's, like, a nerd, feels, like, out of sorts, and he can't, like, relate to anybody. But at the same time, he's, like, an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, he constantly pranks people and, like, wears masks and scares them. And then everybody's like, that's fucking mean. Don't do that. And he's like, I'm sorry. But then he just keeps doing it. He does it, like, three times in this movie. <laughs> Noxious. I hate him. Yeah. Uh, so he is our first character in this franchise that actually gets to be in the video game. Uh, there's only two and the other one is in this movie. We'll get later. Uh, only two characters from the entire franchise that get to be in the video game because all the other ones are just like archetypes, which I think makes more sense that they made up their own because, You know, there's just, you know, you're not even thinking of actual characters when you're thinking back on these movies. You're thinking of there's the jock, there's the guy in charge of the camp, there's like the girl next door, main girl character, there's like a smart girl with glasses, there's like a goth girl, there's like a jockey dickhead, there's a prankster. You know, you're thinking of archetypes (laughs) more than actual characters. Right. But uh, Shelly, for better or worse, is memorable. So I get why they included him. Uh, <laughs> what what a weird character. Yeah. And, uh, so, so who else is here uh, during this little scene? Our main character? Yeah. Dana Kibble as Chris, our, our, our new final girl. Um... They don't Do we got like the, it out. Maybe they kind of like already tell you right off the bat she's like the main character. Yeah, there's no like build up of other characters before her. Right. She she gets the most characterization out of anybody really. Um, there's uh the other the, like the couple. Yeah. Uh, Tracy Savage is Debbie, and uh, Jeffrey Rogers as Andy. Uh, Andy is quite a dumbass. Uh, walks on his hands, juggles. <laughs> what a guy and what a guy and then i and then they pick up another girl here uh who uh vera? is is vera Catherine parks as vera she's she's set up to be like uh shelly's date for this uh weekend or whatever they're doing here yeah um because you got the couple and then chris is meeting her boyfriend there and 
Vera doesn't have anybody, so they bring along Shelly. And uh, that doesn't seem to work out real well almost immediately. Uh, yeah. He's wearing this creepy fucking mask to the first time he meets her. <laughs> and she's like, okay, <laughs> this is the person you're setting me up with here. Oh, my Lord. She got played. <laughs> you know, it, it's... I, I don't know if they're trying to make a point here, but they have this whole moment where like her mom is like, she is not going fuck off kids. And, and then she just comes out and says, Oh, whatever. I'm just having problems with my mom and then leaves. And like, I don't know if they're trying to make a point that like, if, if, you know, if, if you kids listen to your parents, you wouldn't get murdered by Jason. I don't know whatever point they, if they were trying to make a point, it doesn't No, work. I don't think that they just try to portray like a typical teenage thing where like parents don't want them to go. You know, that's probably more likely. That's probably more likely. So they, uh, after they pick up Vera, they go over to go back to the car, they look back, they're like, oh my god, the car is on fire. There's smoke. Oh, right. Out. Yeah, we, 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 get, we get introduced, introduced to our other couple that's going. Yes. <laughs> Uh, um, this is the most relatable couple in this movie. They're the most chill. This is for, this is for what I reasons. Would, uh, this is what I would do if I was on a vacation at a lake. I would just I would just like fucking smoke a shit ton of pot and fall asleep on the couch in the cabin. <laughs> yeah, so this is our stoner couple, and boy, do they look like a stoner couple. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is this is the the stereotype of a stoner couple. This is David Katims as Chuck. Uh, and Rachel Howard as Chili. <laughs> that, that's the fun, dude. I, I I would like I would see that in the subtitles, and I'm listening to the movie, and I'm like, did he say that right? Is this supposed to be like? Is there supposed to be like another Shelly? Her name's to... no, it's Chili. Just, just Chili. I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. So they spend the majority of this movie smoking Schmied and uh, being paranoid, but I guess justifiably. Because uh, Jason is lurking about, so um, but it doesn't help them uh, be uh, quick and aware on their feet. No, but nobody stood a chance anyway. So they're driving about. They're on their way to their, to their camp or whatever. That they they're, <laughs> yeah. they're smoking pot in the car. Mm-hmm. As you do, uh, Shelly's a fucking tool, and he's like, "No, I don't want none. Pot's bad for you. Yeah. Don't smoke, idiot." Uh, this scene is great, by the way, because, yeah, they start getting followed by the cops, and they're like, oh, shit. They start, and their immediate oh, no. reaction is to start eating the weed. They got to get rid of the evidence, so they just start eating all the pot, <laughs> so the <laughs> which one- I thought was going to lead to, like, a worse scene where they're, like, high as fuck and have to interact with the police. But no, then it just ends up that the police are just trying to get past them to yes. speed off to somewhere else, likely to the murder scene from two. Uh, this that's that's at least oh, no, my we know exactly what they drove over cannon. to. It was the murder scene at the uh, at the convenience store. Right. Well, I guess it could be either or because those happen around the same time. Like when Jason's done killing everybody well, in two, well, he now, goes to kill the people at the convenience store. Right. So, like, yeah, in like in the convenience store, um, when she's watching the television, the wife's watching the television. Yeah, they're, they're talking they're about all this horrible shit that happened. But if that's the same night, right. Because this happens the day after right. the, the the Saturday. So, but yeah, so the, I thought that scene was actually kind of funny because <laughs> the, the one kid's like, like looking back and yelling at them and pot leaves like pot, like little bits of pot are just flying out of his mouth. It was funny. <laughs> Do you think it was real weed? It looked no. like real weed. 
Some of it did. Yeah, oregano, baby. Oregano, baby. Oregano, baby. I don't know, man. It's possible. That's the baby oregano, baby. Don't worry about it. Baby, baby oregano, baby. Oh, there's also a scene in that bus where the where the one dude takes a takes a hit of a joint and then like puts it directly in front of the camera for the 3D weed. Dude, yeah, they offer the audience a what the fuck. <laughs> now that's a 3D film. <laughs> and then they uh, so they, they keep going along now after after that debacle, and then they go to pull up and uh, tell Chris to stop the van because there was a guy just laying in the middle of the street. Snoozing, and they wake mm-hmm. him up, and then he uh, he's he talks about how something that was brought unto him. He found this today. It's an eye. Yeah, this scene is bizarre. <laughs> so, like, what are we supposed to believe happened here? I choose to believe this is unrelated to anything that happened. This man claims that someone who was responsible for these murders gave him the eye. Correct? Like he was gifted the eyeball, right? The implication the implication being that Jason gave him the eyeball. I don't see Jason interacting with anyone and not killing them. No, he probably just so Yeah. He's just a crazy I, person. It also could have been an unrelated eyeball from an unrelated murder. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> It's just, there's no reason for this scene to be here whatsoever. It it doesn't connect to anything or pay off in any way. It's just like they were like, well, the first two movies had a crazy dude going like, you know, like as some kind of harbinger of doom. Uh, You know, fucking crazy Ralph in the first two movies. Yeah. Uh, But crazy Ralph's dead, so it can't be crazy Ralph. So they just get this guy who... Fulfills the same role, but is even creepier. And they just wanted to shove an eyeball at the center of the camera so they oh, yeah. creep out the kids watching it. That's yeah, the only reason they drive away, he's, he's still talking. He's like, I have what the... He fucking holds the eye right up to the camera very obnoxiously. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't look like an eyeball either. Right. <laughs> so now we arrive at Higgins Haven, which is yeah. the place they're staying. Mm-hmm. And uh, everybody else immediately gets out of the van and goes to the water. They're going to go skinny dipping. Really, girl course. here's like, not fucked out, put the bags inside. Mm-hmm. She goes to put her bag inside, and she gets spooked by, I guess, our, our, our last uh, main character to get introduced. Yeah, this is Paul, I believe. No, Paul's the actor's name. Paul's the guy from part two. This is going to get confusing the more we go through. Oh, yeah. So, so <laughs> Paul Kratka as Rick. That's right. It's Rick. Chris, Chris's teenage question mark. Dude looks, <laughs> dude looks like he's 30. <laughs> dude looks like the brownie paper towels, man. I, I don't <laughs> think he's even a human. Yeah. <laughs> he's not. Uh, you, you know, I... I I know you can't you can't cast teenagers and you shouldn't, especially if you're going to have them be fucking in this movie. They should have learned that in part two and didn't and had to cut stuff out. Uh, Nice job, guys. Creeps. But um, like, I think you can still cast people that don't look thirty (laughs) nine. Yeah, I would assume so. Really stood out to me. 
and 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 not to mention this dude looks like such a fucking cardboard cutout man <laughs> that is <laughs> yeah. just like fucking like cover of a romance novel kind of fucking lumberjack ass fucking guy <laughs> whatever so yeah, yeah this is our uh, other other character get some context here it's like oh the relationship's a little strange because she left this place she was supposed to stay here with him and she didn't yeah something or other and he's kind of like not feeling this like I, I get the sense that he wants to have a weekend alone with her and instead she invited uh, all of her friends. fucking all of these dweebs yeah uh, <laughs> two super stoners and Shelly Finkelstein so he's just kind of like what the fuck man yeah, uh, and I agree. Relatable content. <laughs> yeah, instead she they go to get the rest of the bags out of the truck. And then she's like, oh, "This door wasn't supposed to be open." She opens the door. Fucking Shelly comes out with this bag. Everybody else went skinny dipping, and he's like, "But that everybody else went skinny dipping, but I'm not skinny because he's a pussy." No, because he's fat, Justin. Pussy. Oh, okay. That's that's fair too. Go, you know. go skinny dipping. Yeah, do just it. do it. Confidence goes a long way. That's fuck. Man. Take you know. Fuck I know it. this. Fuck it. Fuck it, dude. <laughs> like, it's it's. I I kind of hate how fat people are portrayed a lot in things, but uh, like <laughs> that's how gen. You just generally have to see them as sad sacks or assholes. There's no in between, and Shelley just is both. Right it's in one depressing. movie, he's not even that fat. He's just a dude. Right, he's, it's no big deal. He's like he's like probably like like thirty pounds overweight. Oh no! <laughs> but anyway, uh, so his solution to uh, feeling like he's not part of the group is to go hide in a closet and then pretend to be dead. Because uh, so, <laughs> I think that's our next scene coming up here. Yeah, it is. Yeah, she's like showing showing everybody the rooms and gets spooked by him. Yeah, as he falls out like he's dead. And he's like been stabbed. He's got a knife hanging out of him, and everybody's like, Oh my god, Shelly, what the fuck's going on? And then he like starts laughing. Oh boy. And and then in the most realistic moment in the film, everyone treats him like an asshole for doing this. Yeah. <laughs> Like in the first two movies when, well, I guess just the first movie, the the prankster in the second movie wasn't that bad. Uh, the, the first movie's prankster was fucking awful and everyone like rewarded him for his douchey behavior. Like he pretended to die just to sneak a kiss and everyone was like, oh, oh, Ned, that's Ned. <laughs> but like <laughs> in a more realistic move, everybody is like, dude, what the fuck? That's fucking how childish. Yeah, and Vera's like, fuck this shit, I'm out. And she, uh... Yeah. She goes to the convenience store, and then Shelly comes yeah. along. Yeah, it's it's weird because she's, like, leaving because of something that he did, but then decides to go with him anyway. Uh, and they go to a convenience store. And, oh boy, this scene... <laughs> I, I love 
I love side characters in horror films because they get to be written uh, completely irredeemably shitty. Right. Because <laughs> you know that if they show up later in the movie, it's just to get murdered. So they can, you know, you can just have like a bunch of like, you know, kick the dog moments, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Where these characters are just unnecessarily shit bags for no reason. Just just because <laughs> uh, we run into these bikers at this convenience store who decide to uh, harass and intimidate Shelly and Vera. And uh, almost just steal all of his money. Uh, this is Fox. Is one of them. Uh, Fox is played by Gloria Charles. Uh, she's also a playable character in the Friday the 13th video game. The other one. Yeah. Uh, she unfortunately passed away, so she doesn't voice her character like... Uh, uh, Larry Zerner does voice Shelley in the Friday the 13th game, but they just use her likeness. Uh, and the other characters here, we got Kevin O'Brien as Loco, who's kind of like, I guess, like the second in command here. And then Nick Savage as Ali, the leader. And boy, they are all being some biker guys. <laughs> Maybe dickheads. Cashier doesn't do shit about it. <laughs> Nah, probably like her best customers. <laughs> they think they're just hanging out, man. Like you know. Yeah, but they they get out and finally like after fucking with them, she gives gives them the, gives her the wallet. They get their shit and they go to leave. Shelly goes to drive and he's an idiot. He gets the guy walks out, cracks a beer. They get spooked uh-huh. by him, so he just backs up into their bikes. Yeah, and now he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna kill you now," and he like breaks Shelly's windshield. With a chain, yeah, the, yeah, the windshield in like one of the one of the other windows, <laughs> yeah. And then Shelly uh, decides, okay, fuck you, then, and runs over his bikes for real, intentionally. Yeah, like, and then that really pisses Ollie off. Fucking find you and get you back. So that was probably not smart of Shelly to do, but uh. We've already established that he's not smart. <laughs> what what are next? So now we're back to the uh, back to the site. We get this really obnoxious scene where the where the jockey dude is just uh, putting a yo yo down in, into the camera. Got to got to show off that three D. You know, <laughs> it is obnoxious as fuck. Yeah. Of course. And they get back with the car. And they're like, what the fuck happened? They talk about what happened. Uh, you can get oh, yeah, because it's, it's not even Shelly's car, right? Yeah. <laughs> so this pisses off fucking Brownie Paper Towels, man. Because it's his car. And he's like, what the fuck? And, like, I guess he, like, implies that he'll, like, pay for the damages or whatever. He literally hands him a bunch of money, kind of implying that Shelly's probably a rich kid. Yeah. Yeah, because he's, he's willing to just give uh, Vera the money to pay for all the shit she's buying. Because she d- doesn't have any money. Yeah. But, like, I don't know, this kind of pisses uh, Brownie Man off. Yep, and he's, like, he's like about to, like, leave... But uh, 
girl. <laughs> Who the fuck's the girl in this game? In this movie? Fuck I, I Chris. Chris. Yeah, see, they all blend together. Yeah, they do. So Chris goes with them <laughs> and they leave. And then our, uh, and then meanwhile, our, our biker boys come back. Mm-hmm. And now they're, they're really going to get back at him. Yeah, they're going to siphon the gas out of their RV. Not just that. They, it looks seems like they plan on burning the bar down. The oh, bar right. Down. Yeah, with the gas that they siphon. Um, uh, by the way, nice hippie van. I love the hippie RV. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's got fucking Led Zeppelin Zoso stickers on it. <laughs> oh, man. But anyway... Interior. Yes. Oh my God! It looks so fucking bad. So biker girl uh, <laughs> goes into the uh... into the barn, I guess, to scope it out and like I, I don't know. But then she just starts fucking around, and she's hanging off this chain that we saw earlier. It was fucking brownie paper towels, man. It hoisted up some hay on it. And uh, she's just swinging back and forth from it. And uh, Loco, the the other one, is all like, you know, get down from there. And then he looks away for a second. And then he looks back and she's gone. And he's like, huh? And he goes in there, looks for her. And, uh, gee, guess who's in the barn with them? <laughs> it's James. And she, he, uh, he impaled the girl at the neck with the, with the rake. And it mm-hmm. nails him in the chest with a rake. Yep. And uh, so Ali is wondering where they went, and he goes searching for him. And uh, lots of moments in this movie where, like, we know Jason is there, but then a character goes and enters where Jason is, and then they die. And it's like, oh, well, well of course they did. We know Jason is there. <laughs> that happens, like, nine times in this movie. <laughs> Yep. How's all? How's oh, Ali doesn't die, but how does Jason dispatch with him? Uh, J- Jason like approaches him. He he grabs a machete as attack Jason. Jason just throws him aside and hits him in the head three times. Yes. Uh, implying that he's dead, but he is not dead. Right. Bookmark that. <laughs> anyway, back to our dumb teenagers. Yeah. So we have uh then we have Chris and and, and Brawny Man. Uh, out in the, uh, out in the woods, they're talking to each other. You get kind of some backstory of Chris here, where she was basically attacked by Jason once. It's kind of a backstory. Yeah, was uh, scared. So it was at some point before two happened. She ran into Jason in the woods, apparently, and uh, that was a pretty traumatizing experience. And she kind of like is having trouble getting over it. Because I guess you would. Um, and her parents kind of just like pretend it never happens and that bugs the shit out of her. Because it did. Yeah. And uh, man, man, some some great. Wow. Some great one perfect shot moments here. Show her telling this story and show the flashback at the same time. Which is just just awful to look at. <laughs> just superimpose two images on top of each other. Yeah, not not the best way to show a flashback, but whatever. So, uh, I guess that's all that happens with them. They're gonna head back, and I think their car doesn't start because, of course. So then they have to walk back. 
So I, I think it takes them a while before they get back to the camp. And in the meantime, yeah, we got uh, our boys juggling. Everyone else dies. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get to all those moments. Yes, we got. We got, we got hardcore obvious. juggle competition going yeah, on. Obvious, the three D shot was above the juggle balls. It lasts for way too long. It, you could tell that they were like really impressed with. It. Right. Uh, I I need to. I guess we should point out we did not watch in three D. I don't know how possible it is to watch in three D now. I know that they released some kind of edition of this on DVD uh, that has 3D glasses that come with it, but you got to watch it with those shitty, like, old-style 3D with the red and blue glasses. Yeah, I have those. And uh, for this movie? No, I just have, like, a pair of those. Oh, okay. I'd be curious, uh, though. Specifically, it's for Spy Kids 3D. That's fucking hilarious. I, I guess it would be interesting to see it in 3D as originally intended, the stuff popping out at you. It bit, it doesn't, it never looks good. But it never, no, I hate looking at something and it's just red and blue. And it, it feels like it ruins a lot for me. Like the newer style 3D with like this kind of movie happening would actually be pretty cool. I, I would love to watch this in like a re release in like an actual movie theater now with current technology 3d yeah it's certainly like I, I don't care for 3d it's not a huge great impressive next best thing for me i don't, I could take it or leave it uh i think it just is kind of like a, a way to make movies uh more expensive <laughs> and they don't have to be and, and it's kind of a trend that's dying out uh which is fine by me but Every now and then there's one that I feel like is actually utilizes it. And, and this would be one of them, despite the fact that it like overutilizes it. I would like to see it with the 3D effect. But be that as it may, when you're just watching it in 2D, uh, it's just it's just people juggling. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it, they juggle for like a minute straight. And it's like, all right. <laughs> We're out here juggling. So now uh, our, our two of our kids go to fuck. Mm-hmm. The, the couple. Yeah. She she literally tells him that they'll fuck to get him to stop juggling. Right. Which, like, <laughs> thank you. Uh, so, so they fuck on a hammock. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, like, I don't even want to think about how hard that would be to do, but fuck it, whatever. Um, and then, like, what? Where's the other people go? I, I think like Vera goes to the lake. Yeah. Uh, and Shelly scares her in the lake. He jumps out with a uh, hey, a hockey mask, and he's like holding like a harpoon or something. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, that's the hockey mask. So. Yes, Jason's iconic mask was owned by this dweeb. It was this dweeb's mask. And uh, so earlier in the movie, he had a different mask. And I feel like that was supposed to be the mask he's wearing here. And also, I feel like that was supposed to be the mask that Jason wears. Because otherwise, why is there this other mask in the film? And then all of a sudden, he has a hockey mask later. Yeah. But they decided to do a hockey mask, I think, while they were filming. So they're doing a lighting test on set and the 3D effects supervisor, this guy's name is Martin Sadoff. So he, he 
gives the director a hockey mask. And it's because Sadoff has one because he's a huge Detroit Red Wings fan. And he just happens to have a Detroit Red Wings fucking goalie mask. And uh, they're doing a lighting test and they need a mask that second. So he just gives it to Steve Miner and then Steve Miner loves how it looks. So then they intentionally design a bigger mask to fit uh, the guy playing Jason, which is uh, Richard Brooker this time around, um, a British stuntman, which is the standard for casting a Jason. You don't need a real actor. Get a guy who's uh, willing to jump and, uh, you know, fake kill people right. and look big. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it's just happenstance that you know, if this one random man <laughs> was not a Detroit Red Wings fan, <laughs> there would not be Jason Voorhees as we know it, which is bizarre to think. Uh, uh, but, you know, the happenstance happened and now it's his iconic look and it's endured for decades. And it'll, it'll probably that you're never going to see Jason without it. Right. They experimented with other looks briefly, but you're never going to see it ever again without the hockey mask. Nope. I, I, he, he's, which, by the way, he steals off camera. We don't get to see Shelly's actual. Um, whenever he steals it, I don't know. But eventually he comes back to where Vera is on the lake. Uh... I'm trying to remember. So she has Shelly's wallet, right? And she like fucking drops it in the lake yeah. on accident. And she's trying to get it out, right? Yep. And then he shows, Jason shows up with the heart. And she, she like thinks it's Shelly, even though this is like a fucking giant man. <laughs> this dude's like fucking built like Tom Hardy Bane walking up here. And she thinks it's fucking the Jonah Hill dude. But okay. If you say so. Um, but then she realizes it's not him, and we get uh, Jason's uh, first kill with while wearing the hockey mask, and it's with a harpoon gun. Shoots her in the eye. Which uh, shoots her in the eye with a harpoon gun, and of course it sticks out real far for the audience to see in the 3D effect. Uh, solid kill. Surprising. Didn't expect the harpoon gun to actually get used, especially by Jason, who usually seems to prefer not guns necessarily. Uh, and then I believe Jason goes up to the house to kill more people. We got our couple who uh, are done fucking and uh, she goes to take a shower and then dude goes to get some beers downstairs, but he does so while walking on his hands. Yep, she goes to the shower. Uh, welcome to Boob Town, lads. This is the Boob Town time. Yeah, you know it has to happen every Friday the Thirteenth movie. Here's your here's your titties. Here's your boob. Uh, of course. <laughs> it's it's. I, I heard it's a crime if you make one of these movies with tits. And, you know, you, get, you go to jail. <laughs> but uh, whatever. So like, the poster for this movie is a Jason, a silhouette of Jason shoving a machete through a shower curtain. Never happens. And then, and then this scene happens and I'm entirely expecting Jason to kill her while she's in the shower. Cause like that's, that's entirely what the poster implies is going to happen. 
And and the fact that they haven't done it yet is surprising because like you know the shower kill is like a slasher trope. Right. Uh, it's ever since fucking Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, even. Uh, and but nah, she uh, they fake it out, and she just gets out, and uh, you know. <laughs> Her boyfriend's not so lucky, though. He gets killed uh, by Jason while walking upside down. Yep, that's the fun one. <laughs> Jason's like, look at this dude. <laughs> he looks ridiculous and then cuts him in half. What an idiot. <laughs> what a dummy. Uh, so she uh, gr- grabs a, a copy of Fangoria magazine. Yep. And uh, lounges on the hammock and... and uh, passes by an article about tom savini you know little cameo there mm-hmm. uh and then looks at like i think it's like godzilla versus Kong was one of the articles and uh anyway then blood starts dripping on her and she's like where's this coming from and not oh god is that blood but <laughs> but sure okay and uh is it I, i'm trying to remember what actually is it her boyfriend's dripping yep body yeah he's like dismembered and it's gross yes and then it's, uh, it's pretty grisly jason shoves a machete up from underneath the hammock and <laughs> yep it's it's just like the uh she gets kevin bacon uh it's killed kevin bacon style yeah <laughs> which is a I, I i assume that they keep doing this <laughs> they sort of did it in in part two and part one it's like the most iconic kill in the movie so, do they keep killing people bacon style? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> sort of. Not not too much. Mm. Uh, so then you got our, uh, our 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 pot couple here. The, yeah. The dude's cooking popcorn on the stove and letting it pop out, and he's trying to catch the popcorn with his mouth. <laughs> what a champion! Yeah. <laughs> he's one of my favorite of these characters. He was he was pretty funny. And then the lights the lights go out. I'm like, oh shit, oh fuck, time, gotta go check out the fuse. So he goes downstairs and checks out the fuse. Yeah. So he looks around and uh, I think he gets spooked by an animal or something because of course. Yeah. And then uh, the girl's still in the kitchen. Now she walks in with uh, his throat slit. Yes, that's right. Uh, And she downplays it because she thinks it's him playing a joke. Uh, which I guess is his comeuppance. Uh, <laughs> you know, the boy who cried wolf, I guess. And then the wolf actually shows up and nobody cares. Uh, <laughs> oh, wait, no. See, see, we got the order a little bit screwed up here because uh, hippie dude goes to take a shit before he goes to check the power, right? Yeah, and then he gets spooked by uh, by his girlfriend. Yes. By, so not wiping his ass. Yeah, this is why I wanted to bring it up. It's the second non-wipe of the film. <laughs> why does it happen nobody wipes their ass you're supposed to shit your pants after Jason kills you not have a shitty ass before he kills you what the fuck anyway and then he goes to the basement to check the fuses and he never figures that shit out because Jason kills him throws him against the fuse box and electrifies him oh yeah he gets shocked to hell it's like a fucking home alone <laughs> style fucking thing uh and then anyway jason comes back up and uh 
uh, Chili realizes that Shelly is actually dead, and she's freaking out. Yep, and then she gets a uh, stabs her with a fire poker. Yes, that's a fun one. Oh, uh, where is it at? Where does he get her? Is it like through the head or? It's in the chest. Okay, I couldn't remember. Yep, straight to. The Not chest. that it matters, I suppose. Either way, she's dead, and we're down to just just our main couple. Uh, they finally come back from walking in in the woods back to camp. And uh, it seems like something weird is up because nobody's around. They're like, what the fuck's going on? You know, hey, it's kind of like exactly the same thing as Friday Part 2. Go figure. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so he goes outside while she's looking around inside. Yes. And uh, yeah, this, this fun little shot where she pokes outside and calls for him and then like across the – like just across like to the other doorway. Oh, Jason's got him. Yeah, that's the best shot in the movie. I love that shot. Yeah. And then uh, – and then, and then she goes back inside because she can't hear him. And then he, uh, and then we get the best, the best kill in the movie. Yeah, just crushes the dude's head. But then, but it, within it, it's, it's really fucking stupid. The eye pops out and to three D the eye. It's fucking hilarious, Justin. It's, I mean, it's hilarious. It's also terrible. Yeah, that's why it's the best. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking bad. <laughs> I I loved it. Uh, so yeah, we're already down to our here, and uh, I think she uh, runs into Jason pretty pretty soon here. Yeah, it only takes she finds the other corpses. Then Jason throws yeah. throws her BF's corpse in through the uh, through the window. Which yes, is something you could do in the game. It's fun. I mean, like yes, it is, and it's, it's also a thing that happened in the, in first, the first movie. movie. Yeah. Yeah, when she runs out, she makes it out to the barn. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Which is, is also not a good place to go. There's still bodies there, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, we should also mention first, before she runs out to the barn, she uh, she manages to stab Jason. Yeah, no, she actually uh, gives him quite a beating in this movie. She's she's kind of formidable against Jason. Mm-hmm. Uh, hits him with a chair, I think. Yeah. Uh, stabs him and is able to get away from him well for a while. Does she go to the barn first or does she go to the hippie van? She gets to the hippie van first, okay? Okay, so that's right. She she goes to the bridge over there. And she runs out of gas. And she's like, oh, fuck. Yes, because the, the bikers siphoned the gas earlier. Right. And, you know, obviously that was going to happen. <laughs> as soon as I saw them taking the thing earlier in the movie, I was like, oh, well, someone's going to try to use that to get away. And not going to be able to. Let me get a quick double fake out here. It's like where she has a reserve tank. So she flips that on, starts the car, but then it falls into the bridge. Which is teased as a rickety bridge earlier in the movie. Right. Yes. Then Jason tries to choke her. She rolls his arms up into the window, and he has to break the glass <laughs> with his head to get out. <laughs> it was That's a funny, funny. moment. I yeah. liked it. Yeah. So go fuck this! Smacks his head against the window. Mm. I think this is my favorite Jason so far. I, I, if we're gonna like rank them and compare the performances, like I, I like how this uh, Richard Booker guy uh, plays Jason. It's a lot more of like just like a brutal murderer. Yeah, 
Um, I, I liked the second part one as well, but uh, this one, this is the first time we get that iconic look and it all falls into place and it all like seems like it's, it's always been like that than anything else. But uh, it's it's perfect. <laughs> he uh, acts like how I would think Jason would act. Yeah, brutal and um, angry. Yeah, for the most part, like you get the kind of like uh, it's kind of something that's highlighted in the video game. Some of in some of the movies he can run, but in some of them he can't. <laughs> in this one, he can run. Uh. And I and I think that's because this was before they really leaned into him being supernatural. Uh, like he he, he has still like sustains injuries. Yeah. yeah, he hasn't been like killed yet, quote unquote. Yes, which happens in this movie. Hmm. So, uh, so now she's in the barn. He chases her all the way into the barn, and uh, we get a little, little bit of cat and mouse here. Yes. She's hiding from him. Then she hits him over. Then uh, leads, she leads him up to the top. Then hits him over the head with her shovel. Mm-hmm. And then on the rope that's hanging off the top of the barn there, she hangs him. It's yeah. Pretty dope. It doesn't kill him. Nope. Uh, but I do like the moment where, like, she opens up the barn doors and he's there. But he's hung and like limp because like it's a good moment because like she's like opening the doors. You're expecting him to like still be there and be fine, which ultimately he is. But like it's a good like reveal that it is him. He is behind the door, but he's like dead. (laughs) Yep. And then he pulls off the Uh, mask, reveals to her that it's the same person that chased her before. Yeah, I guess this is where we first get him to be a supernatural being because he should die here, yeah. but doesn't. But then it does seem like he maybe dies at the end of this whole ordeal here. Right, because uh, then uh, our, our, one of our bikers gets back up. Yeah, all he's been alive this whole time, Yep, just then, knocked out in the barn. Yep, and, then and he's like, get off case. of her. He uh, cuts off not his for arm. long. Yeah, Jason, Jason cuts off his, the fuck out of his arm. He's yeah. like, now he's totally dead. That dude's dead as hell now. And uh, Jason makes sure that he's dead this time. Uh, hacks at his head for a bit off camera. Yep, and then she hits Jason in the head with an axe. Yep, and then boom. Like, he's still moving a bit, and then he falls. Uh, and now he's actually dead, I guess. Question mark? Sure. <laughs> So, um, we get the stupid ending of this movie, which I am confused about. <laughs> I hate it's just mirroring the original a lot of old Yeah. Do like all a little too much. Like all of these movies do this. I bet. And, uh, <laughs> and so yeah, so she goes out in the water, she passes out in the boat just like in the first one. Mm-hmm. Wakes up, she sees Jason there. Yes. Starts freaking out and then he disappears, she falls back asleep. But then, Jason's mom comes up out of the water. And gets her? Yeah, and, like, pulls her underneath. And then, and then just like in the first movie, yeah, that just never happened, bro. Yeah, so I, I guess in both instances, those things didn't happen. 
and your girl just imagined it happened. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, which is weird. Now, unlike the first one, which I wish they said was canon, this one I'm glad is not because it is stupid. <laughs> I'd, Pamela Voorhees should not be immortal. Only Jason should be. Right. And I don't even want an explanation for why he is. I just think that, like, having there be two is, like, OP. So, <laughs> like, and also, like, why is she, like, rotted and shit? And then, like, Jason would be fine. Like, it, it, it makes no sense on multiple levels because the last time we saw her, she was just a head. <laughs> and now she's, like, reattached to her body as a corpse. Uh, like, it, it doesn't make sense on this level, too, because, like, why would this character even know about the Voorhees? Yeah. Why would she know to have a nightmare at all about Jason? And like, maybe the movie is like implying with its stinger ending that like, Oh, that really did happen. Cause they like zoom in on the water and there's like bubbling, but it didn't because this is never brought up again. <laughs> right. But it made me laugh. <laughs> I was like, are you fucking kidding me with this bullshit? Yeah, but then she, like, you can tell she's like, her mind is gone, the cops pick her up. She's yeah, like, she, she's, she's laughing in the unhinged, room. yeah. But she's alive. I guess. And, uh, did the movie over. That's it, movie. Jason's dead in the barn. Back and the I guess movie. that's... Boy, that's the last we'll see of Jason, right? A uh, good one, man. <laughs> good, me- good funny meme. Uh, good funny meme, bro. Uh, uh, all right. So, post movie factoids here. Uh, do you remember movie novelizations? Yeah, remember how those happen. worked? Do they though? Yeah, every once in a while, all the Star Wars. Every movies once in a while, novelizations. Oh, I, I could see that. Yeah, the Marvel movies do too. I think. <laughs> I think they were definitely more commonplace. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. In the past, though, so Friday the Thirteenth Part Three is a unique situation because I've never really seen it happen that there are two novelizations of a movie. Uh, there's two of them. Okay. <laughs> There's one that came out in 82 and one that came out in 88. This guy uh, decided to write novelizations of one, two, and three. Uh, this uh, sci-fi writer named Simon Hawk. Uh, no relation to Tony. But uh, he, uh, he, I, I guess, like, just didn't even know there was a part three adaptation already because there was never an adaptation part one or two those did not get novelizations until 88 when this guy wrote them so it's just this super weird scenario where you have two novelizations by separate authors of the same movie and i couldn't find a whole lot of information about them but like i bet you they're like subtly different in weird ways (laughs) makes you wonder I'm I you know if I had more time I would maybe take a look at them but I don't know how much I care. No, I don't <laughs> about the novelization of the 13th movie. Um but anyway, so Friday the 13th part 3 was uh, the first film to receive a wide release in 3D in the US and 
the gimmick proved to be pretty successful uh, against its $2.2 million budget. It grossed $36.7 million, uh, which is pretty good for this for this franchise. Uh, now, the, Paramount also spent probably more money than the 2.2 mil because they had to spend another 2 million to convert the film into 2D. So non-3D equipped theater projectors could still screen the film. Uh, so that cost them even more money, but but it paid off in the end. They still made like a 30 million profit, like Jesus. Uh, still didn't make as much as the first one. First one made a lot of money. That's the entire reason it's a series. And uh, so in 1982, the box office champion of the summer was E.T., the extraterrestrial. Oh. And Friday the 13th, part three, uh, holds the honor of being the first film to snatch the number one spot away from E.T. because it was just fucking smoking shit for weeks. Uh, <laughs> that movie made like fucking like, like I just got done saying that like Friday part three made 36.7 million. That's a good amount. But like E.T. made like 700 million. Yeah, Like that was a fucking hit. Like that nothing could stop that shit. It also probably costed and, like 150 million to make. <laughs> Uh, not that much, but yeah, a lot. Uh, Spielberg had a pretty good 1982 because, uh, you know, I'm going to get into, there was a lot of horror film competition that summer. And one of them was Poltergeist, which is also a Steven Spielberg film, even though it's not a Steven Spielberg film. It's a Toby Hooper film, but it's also a Steven Spielberg film. (laughs) And, uh, as we've discussed in the past, I believe, uh, so geez, Spielberg was just raking in the cash that fucking year. But anyway, uh, Friday part three had a lot of competition when it came to horror. Films. 82 was a busy, important year for horror in the same year as Friday part three. We had poltergeist oh, creep show, the thing and Halloween three season of the witch all in the same summer, God, which damn. is fucking wild. Uh, not to mention, I think Blade Runner came out the same year because Blade Runner came out the same day as The Thing, which is a fucking God. That's a hard choice. Uh, but the answer is The Thing, <laughs> at least for me. I don't know. It's always cool to me when you like look back in time and you see it like, hey, did you know this movie came out the same weekend as this? Because that doesn't happen anymore. Right. Like you, you would never them? see these big tentpole movies deciding to come out the same weekend as another big tentpole movie. Somebody ducks out eventually. But in the 80s, they were just like, fuck it. Ghostbusters and Gremlins, same weekend. Screw it. And they both did well. (laughs) Uh, So, as you can expect, once again, uh, this film uh, did not do good with critics. (laughs) Uh, Many of them found it to be... uh, treading the same ground covered by the previous two films uh, almost in a routine way. And I feel the same way, but I also found it very entertaining uh, and hilarious. Uh, This is a fun, bad movie that I recommend. (laughs) Uh, The 3D effects were praised by critics, though. Uh, They thought they were, you know, technologically impressive for 1982, I assume. Uh, So this movie's got a... uh, Got a 12% on Rotten Tomatoes there. And uh, that's surprisingly not the lowest franchise, fortunately. It is the second lowest, but there is one that gets uh, into the single digits. 
that we're going to get to eventually. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, that's it for this movie. So do you think it's better than two or worse than two? You know, it's a little tough. <laughs> I think it is too. I, I think two is a better made movie and one that has more of a purpose in existing, but three is way more entertaining and way funnier. Right. And really like when you get down to it, two is not a fantastic classic film or anything. It's just a fun slasher movie. So what do you say is better? I don't really know. I'm kind of, I don't really know the answer myself. I'm kind of leaning towards three. (laughs) I kind of am too. I think that I'm going to, I think overall, the more we get removed from watching it and the more deep we get into this franchise, I'm going to remember three more than two. Yeah. Even though I, I do know that two is definitely got to be one of the better ones. Oh yeah. So we go in three, two, one. Yes, we are. All right. We'll see if that changes next week when we watch uh, Friday the 13th. Uh, let me get the actual official title here. I think it's, Friday the 13th part four, the final Friday. Yeah. Which is a hilarious title. Uh, Considering it doesn't take place on Friday. No. Okay. The final Friday is part of Jason goes to hell subtitle. So this is Friday the 13th, the final chapter, no four in the title. Um, So yeah, this was billed as the end of it and was intended to be the end of it even though this one was also intended to be the end of it. <laughs> Hell yeah, Burger. And uh, we're going to get a new movie with new victims and a new writer and a new director, and it's going to be a whole new stupid uh, next week. And, <laughs> and uh, Looking forward to I guess that's I guess that's it. I am too. I hear that that one is not great. Nope. But uh, have you seen part four? I have. This is this is uh, after part four. I haven't seen any of the other ones besides X. Jason X. And yeah. Well, of, you saw Freddy goes to Manhattan and Freddy versus. You saw Jason. Freddy versus Jason. Yeah. Um, I I have seen some of Jason goes to Manhattan. That's not what it's called. Uh, <laughs> That's what I like calling uh, it that though. It's so funny. The Muppets take Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Uh, We'll see y'all next week when we watch another bad movie. Bye. Look, yeah.